0: And uh, whatever our experience, whether, as Nathan said earlier, we've been to church hundreds of times, or whether this is our first time, God can speak to all of us tonight in a fresh way and cause us to know that he's touched us, that he's done something inside of us that only he can do. So in a moment I'm going to show you a picture, but before we do that I'd like to read some verses. And uh, they should come upon the screen, but if you'd like to turn to them in whatever way you access a Bible, it's Matthew chapter 16, they're familiar verses And I'll seek to explain where we're going in a moment or two. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples. There we go. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the son of man is? Uh, We're coming into a a general election season just seven and a half weeks away. And there'll be many opinion polls about how people are sort of looking to vote in the election. Well, here's, here's an opinion poll. Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah, one of the prophets, or Jeremiah. But he said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered you're the Christ the son of the living God yeah we need to go on there we go you're the Christ the son of the living God Jesus replied blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but my father in heaven and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church I'll explain in a moment that that does not mean that the church is built on Peter And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I give you, the church, the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. These are familiar verses. And uh, I want to just encourage us tonight uh, with regard to the journey of Arena Mansfield. This morning I spoke into the Mother's Day context. I'm not going to do that tonight, not because um, um, of any other reason. I just sort of feel this is what I ought to be saying. And maybe we've sort of come to the sort of end of the day. Hopefully you've had a great day. If you, I say this with absolute humility, if you want to listen to that word, then it will be on, on the podcast. But I want to remind us tonight that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the living Son of God, is committed to building something. He's committed to building his church. And I don't have time to open up a huge subject tonight. Suffice to say that you've heard Christian talk tonight about buildings. And buildings can present us with problems, and so it can be with building the church. But problems to be overcome. And when this building was first built many years ago, there were plans drawn up. There were foundations laid. There were laborers on site. There was an erection at of bricks and mortar and then a roof on top and so the building found shape and so it is with the church you know sometimes friends we think that the church is just a pile of bricks and that's it but God in his purposes and Jesus in his plans has given shape to that particular building he says that he's the chief cornerstone and that the building is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets If I can say, friends, one of the reasons this church is breaking through is because of what's in the church, in this church, that allows us to begin by God's grace to continue to build something. Some churches forget that Jesus wants to build. They, They build halfway. They like what they've got. But actually, if they really stood back and saw what their building was, the Lord would be saying to them, it's not finished. There's no windows in. There's no roof on top. There's, there's no room for extension. They're content with what they've got. But Jesus wants us, friends, to live with holy discontent. Totally content in him and totally discontent in how much progress we've made. There's still a building plan in place that sits over this church that has not yet come to completion. Jesus said, I We'll build my church. I want to show you this photograph, and we'll leave this up for the rest of the message. And really, the message tonight springs out of a a meeting that I was in for 24 hours earlier this week. It's been another quiet week. I sort of drove up to Windermere, which is 136 miles from Jacksdale, and drove back and walked straight in. By the way, this is a lot easier than leaving that meeting on Wednesday night with those politicians, (laughs) I'm telling you now. Um, I needed to lie down after that, but, um, but it was a great night and well worth doing. But uh, a few weeks ago, Beth Evans, who is John Partington's executive assistant, emailed me and says, Phil, John can't get to this meeting. Uh, it's important that Assemblies of God have a representation. What if you'd like to go? Well, the diary was a bit tight, but when they said I could get away at one o'clock on the Wednesday afternoon, I said, yeah, I'll go because I can get back in time. And so... That's where I was, right on the edge of Lake Windermere. It's a gorgeous hotel run by two Christian hoteliers that had done a deal, obviously, with the Evangelical Alliance. And um, it was a who's who of evangelical leaders in England. Uh, I won't run through the names, but they're all there. Let me just give you one. Archbishop John Santamu, the Archbishop of York, was there. And in fact, and I'll come back to this in a moment, him and the lady leader of the Baptist Union, actually planted this tree. And I'll give you a reason why in a moment. But many people there, and it was a real privilege to be part of that gathering of about 50 or 60 significant evangelical leaders with lots of experience of church in this nation. And we were gathered by the invitation of the Evangelical Alliance, an organization that's now well over 100 years old, that has been committed to... (coughs) delivering and standing true to the word of God in our nation in unity for many, many years. And a great representation to uh, government bodies, etc. And they they, uh, conducted a survey, uh, a very stringent survey by a very uh, uh, prestigious uh, research group. And uh, the survey was both to across the Christian and the non-Christian spectrum. And it was asking questions regarding the nation's perception of Jesus, Christians and evangelism. I don't have time to go into it tonight and in fact there's an embargo on me releasing too much information at the moment because there's another survey to take place. Suffice to say that the survey confirmed that there's about 10% of our nation that would go to church on a pretty regular basis. So there's about 57, 58 million people that haven't pitched up at church today. You can see why Jesus isn't finished with the building project. And then there are about 54% of our nation that claim to be Christian. Clearly, nominally. And there is a growing group of no religion. And the research sought to dig deep into people's responses to Jesus and working out faith through the people of God, with a particular goal in mind, pointing towards 2050, 35 years away, that the Evangelical Alliance and the Christian church in this country would continue to believe for the gospel to thrive through generations and still be in a healthy place halfway through the 21st century. The psalmist says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And on this Mother's Day evening, there are people in the room tonight that are here because their mother has passed on the faith. They've spoken about Jesus and, uh, and, and, and have, have, have lived the living reality of faith in their life. It's impacted another generation who now live out of their own conviction in following the Lord. Well, on the Wednesday morning, we all gathered, and it was as freezing cold as it's been today. And my coat was in the car, so I couldn't be bothered to go and get it, so it was really cold. But by the kind invitation of the men that owned the grounds of the hotel, we planted a sapling tree. And that tree, friends, one day will be an oak tree. That's what's been planted in the grounds. And Archbishop Sentamu and another colleague planted that tree in the ground. Here's what one of the leaders put on Twitter a little bit later in the day. This tree, this oak tree, is a prophetic sign of the growing future church through to 2050. This oak tree is a prophetic sign of a rooted and growing future church towards 20. 50. So we did this prophetically. We sought to look into the future. We know that prophecy is not just about foretelling, it's about forthtelling But we also know in scripture that sometimes God used symbols to help people to project into what he wanted to do in the future. And so if you go to Low Bay Hotel any time over the next few years on the edge of Lake Windermere, then talk to somebody about looking for the sapling oak tree that's perhaps hopefully coming to some sort of maturity and be encouraged that a group of leaders met together this week to believe for the future building program of Jesus for his church in our nation and we say all that friends not immune to the amazing and incredible challenges that we face but as the pastor of one of the black majority churches that was represented there. And boy, didn't these brothers and sisters bring something. He leads a church of over 2,000 members near Brent Cross in London. Aku Akui. He reminded us that the challenges of the first century church were actually no less than the challenges of the 21st century church. And it was said of the first century church that they turned the world upside down. Paul was praying in the little room before we started about God finding people that would really believe that he could do something through them. I wonder if God can find, friends, somewhere in the earth and somewhere in our nation, people that yet believe that God can take hold of them to turn the world upside down. I wonder if it could be Arena Mansfield. I wonder if God's in heaven today saying, it's all right, people talking about London, that's obvious. You're talking about the second city, Birmingham. That's obvious. What about Mansfield? What about that town in North Nottinghamshire that got ripped apart by a miners' strike all these years ago? What about the industry that got torn away from it? Is it had to navigate, negotiate changes? What about that particular community that I can find a people that will believe that I'm still investing in the building programme? Because it's not finished. And over the next few minutes, I want to remind us afresh, challenge us anew, and encourage us to continue to move forward. We're not building the church. He's building it. But in a mind-boggling way, God has said, actually, I don't want to do it without the cooperation and alignment of people in the earth that will help me to finish the task. So we come back to Matthew 16. Jesus says, okay, guys, so what's, what, what's the survey then? What are people saying about me? Elijah, Jeremiah, somebody else. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter. He got some bad press by friends, I love the way he used to step in at times. And he didn't always get it wrong. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, flesh and blood's not revealed that to you, but a revelation. An unveiling to your heart. That's simply what revelation means. An uncovering of who I really am. You're the Christ. The son of the living God. And upon this rock I will build my church. Friends, the church is not built upon Peter. Otherwise, we'd need to find a new theology. The New Testament clearly tells us that the church is built upon Christ. He's not talking here about the person. He's talking about the statement. The revelatory statement is the rock. That the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. And so he's been doing it for the last 2,000 years. And my concern sometimes is that we can gaze around and think, oh, it's getting a bit odd. People don't seem interested. Whew, 90% of folks didn't go to church today. And we can fill ourselves, friends, with something that depletes our faith and stops believing that Jesus still wants to build his church but I'm naive enough in faith to believe he's not finished and then he can find a group of people that will continue to commit to all that he wants to do you see there are only three unconditional promises in the whole of the new testament here's the first one I will build my church And then Jesus also said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the 20th century, the one that we've just left behind, was an amazing century of Jesus pouring out his spirit on all flesh in an amazing way. The prophet Isaiah says that the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. And the third one is that he will come. Again, We've had all sorts of people second guessing when that's going to be. And every time there's a crisis in the earth, this is when he's coming. I want to say, friends, very carefully, he's not coming yet. We need to live in the light of the fact that he could come tonight. But the Bible tells me in Matthew 24, 24, that God wants all the earth to hear the news, good news, that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all nations. That word nations there in the original language is ethnos, all ethnic groups and then the end will come you realize there are 42 percent of people in the earth today of the 7.1 billion people that live in the earth that have no access to the gospel in their own language and no access to a church that would minister in their language and many of them have not yet heard of Jesus and if I can say it reverently he's not about to bail us out to heaven anytime soon until they've heard So this promise, as I've already said, is unconditional. It's also irrevocable. He's not taking it back. Oh, I'll give it you. Oh, I'll take it back off you, Christian. That'd be mean. And it's irremovable. People can laugh about it. They can joke about it. They can sneer about it. They can malign us. They can tell us we're crazy. But it is utterly irremovable. It is a rock-like statement. That is not about to be shifted any time soon. So what about you and me, friends, tonight? As we gaze upon this sapling oak tree, what are we seeing for the future? What are we seeing ahead? Are we pessimistic? Are we gloomy? Are we despondent? I want to try and shift that in the next few minutes and for us to be encouraged that number one, church is being built in unlikely places. It's being built in North Africa. It's being built in the Middle East. It's being built in Asia. Kazakhstan, one of those unpronounceable names in Asia, and all you know is that they all finish with "stan." Turkistan, Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan—they're all there. In 1990, in a population of 16 million people, there were no believers. Today. There are 7,000 believers in Kazakhstan. It may not seem a lot, but Jesus is building his church. Friends, despite all the problems in Africa of poverty, of persecution, and yes, of people, we know that there's much corruption. Jesus is building his church in an amazing way. To such an extent, friends, that they are so honoring of what this nation historically has sown into their continent, that we are now getting to the place of reverse missioning. In other words, they're coming to us to get us converted. And the spill out into the Western world is more than you would imagine. I was talking to one of the overseers of the Baptist Association of London. 315 Baptist churches in Greater London. This is, by the way, for a lot of them are more Pentecostal than your guys. I was across the breakfast table from Andy Hawthorne, Worldwide Message Tribe. I told you we were all there. And Andy says, I was recently talking to Celia Barrin, Lyndon and Celia Baron have run the care organisation for years and have done an amazing job. He says, Celia, I never asked how you come to faith. Well, he's either going to ask you to come to faith, or if you've not come to faith, you're not going to have two minutes with you without being challenged. I mean, talk about an evangelist. Great guy. She says, oh, it was through Lyndon's ministry. And in 1970 in London, in Kensington Temple, with 500 members, it was the biggest Pentecostal charismatic church in the city of London. Today, friends, in the city, tonight, people are gathering. There's many churches of thousands in the city of London. God is doing An amazing, amazing thing. He's building his church in unlikely places. You know, sometimes we've had a a bit of a joke about Mansfield. But I think for some of you, you believe the joke more than you should. Because you've come to the conclusion, not sure God can do it. You've heard Christian talk about thousands. And some of you have said in your heart, really? Well, let's make it hundreds to start with. Not a hundred. A hundred hundreds hundreds unlikely places I just think that God just loves going to unlikely places, he went to Pensacola, I like geography I didn't have a clue where Pensacola was but there he on the Florida-Alabama border that saw people from every nation uh, every um, state of America and beyond four million people visiting a local church in four years. They had to buy houses. I've talked to somebody recently and knocked the houses down to make the car park bigger. That'd be good if it would knock the Palace Theatre down into you so they all had to get here. They'd love that. Unlikely places. Smithton, Missouri, 832 people population. Saw 200,000 people come to that church during a season of renewal and revival. Kazakhstan. God loves the unlikely places. He loves the postcodes that people sneer about. Oh, Mansfield. Yeah. Can I find a people that will align with my purposes so I can build something in Mansfield that people would say, it's got to be Jesus. He builds in unlikely places. His church is being built despite us. You heard Nathan's prayer tonight. Reflecting on the fact that sometimes we get it wrong and we're all imperfect. We don't want to get it wrong and God's called us to a Christ-like nature but we're human. The seven churches that Jesus wrote to in Revelation 2 and 3, five of them were corrected before he commended them. Five of the churches were getting it wrong in some area and yet despite us and in spite of us, God still keeps getting hold of people and using them and flowing through them. And I believe tonight that God wants to work through people here in amazing ways. I really do. I believe he wants to get all the people's lives and use them in amazing ways. And if I could say one thing from the message earlier today, if you give all of the vessel, he'll fill all of the vessel. If you'll give it all to him, then the oil will keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. Some of us have got so used to giving God 30% and wondering why we're not seeing what God wants to do. He wants all of us. He gave all for us. Why shouldn't we give all to him? And thirdly, the church is being built in the face of opposition. Prime Minister Cameron at the service of of remembrance for the 400 plus soldiers that died in the Afghanistan war just on Friday uttered these words in the service, blessed are those who are persecuted. The most poignant example of this in recent times is the 21 Coptic Christians, the Coptic church being the National Church of Egypt that has many devoted believers that were working in Libya to earn a living where they were taken captive by extremists and given the opportunity to recant, and, in quotes, convert. As they were killed on that beach, every one of them cried out, Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, across the world today, friends, there are many people meeting what we call the secret church. It's in a field. It's two people looking in a shop and conversing in fellowship. They don't have the liberty of us. And if I can say it at times, it ought to stir us into Passionate worship of God we have got freedoms that are beyond comprehension at times as against our brothers and sisters but in the face of all that opposition Jesus Christ is building his church as I close three responses from us number one prevailing faith prevailing faith Pastor Aku again says, prayer is the soul of every movement. An arena church is not just a church, it's meant to be a movement. Arena church per se is not just meant to be a church, it's meant to be a movement. It is a people on the move. It is a people that have come from somewhere and that are going somewhere. And prayer is the soul of every movement. He went on to say this, that the heavens belong to the highest bitter I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven in heaven. I was talking to a lady at the dinner table on Tuesday evening that had flown in to, to London from a conference in Bangkok. She'd come straight up there, she never batted an island, it's just what she does. And she began to talk, black African lady, she says, We may not be very good at listening at times, but we're brilliant at going to war. And she says, you, you must understand afresh that what takes place in the earth is determined by the heavens. If you don't see this with a spiritual eye, you'll just think, well, what's all that about? There's a war taking place in the heavenly friends, that we can affect by our prayers. And I just said to Glenys before the meeting, I am more convinced than ever that prayer is changing things in Arena Church. I spoke to two people in our church the last week that testified to distinct." shifts in their circumstances even in recent times through the power of prayer through people lifting things to God things beginning to move Say, my family will never get saved really there's still time my workmates will never listen and never come to church maybe we're just trying to do it in the arm of flesh how about really advancing in prayer and here's what was said The heavens belong to the highest bidder. And Pastor Aku went on to say that the UK prayer bed, the UK prayer bid is way too low. We're not asking God for enough. Think big, or you will limit me. Prevailing faith. Now this guy, well, I mean, he dwarf Christian. He was a big guy here. And he, and he says, we need to do a lot more fasting. And he, you know, he wasn't svelte in figure. And uh, he says, you can see he's not doing me any harm. And here's how he described fasting. He says, fasting is the turbo to pray. Now, I ain't got a clue what a turbo is. But I know that people like a turbo on the car. Oh, making, oh. you know, it really gives me some off. That's what fasting does. It's the turbo to our prayer. Did you know that all over the country, friends, there are thousands and thousands of black African Christians praying every Friday night? I'm not saying this to shame us or to embarrass us or to say we've got to start doing it. I'm not saying any of that. But the prayer bid of the UK church is way too low. He went up to say, stop praying mental prayers and start praying spiritual prayers. Stop thinking them through. That's why it's good to speak in tongues because it takes you out of the equation about working it through. Have I got the words right? Have I got the sentences phrased right? Am I saying it right? Pray yeah. from your heart. Pray from your spirit. Reach out to God, prevailing faith. And I'm believing, friends, Christians believing, the eldership are believing you're believing that across this town, there's going to be amazing shifts that are determined by the impact that's taken place in the heavenlies that work itself out in the town. And Jesus will build his church if we'll continue to press through and pray change is inevitable it's just that so often so many churches give up so many churches remove prayer from the agenda so many churches don't turn up so many churches it's the cinderella meeting still and i want to encourage us to continue to enter into that not only prevailing hearts but uh, faith but persistent hearts Timothy says, I am not ashamed. I know in whom I've believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Persistent hearts. Andy Orthon, speaking again at the breakfast table, why use one word when a thousand will do? Started to talk about William Booth. I love William Booth. Christian was William Booth. And he says, you know, it was just about a pack in because in his archives, there was a letter discovered that he wrote to his wife. And it was, I'm making no difference, nobody's listening, I'm packing it in. I'm going to be looking for another job, I'm out of the ministry. This is a man, friends, that brought an absolute incredible move of God. That has gone right across the world from Angola to Zimbabwe and every nation of the earth today. And he didn't see it through. And we can remember a prayer meeting here in the autumn when Steve Ones encourages that every time we meet to pray, we're one step nearer what God wants to do. And we really are. Persistent hearts. Does it mean that we're not going to get setbacks at times? No, we're going to get setbacks. We're going to feel discouraged and disappointed. There are going to be people, friends, that say, I'll walk up a bronze glass for a church and two weeks later they're nowhere to be seen. And if you don't feel that pains the leadership, then you don't understand leadership. But we're going to keep going. We're going to press through into all that God has got for us because we know in whom we've believed and we're persuaded that he's able to keep that which we've committed against him until that day. And thirdly, purposeful lives. Living your life on purpose. So many people do not live their life on purpose and I want to live my life on purpose that ties in with his purpose and his purpose is that he might use me a little bit if I live my life on purpose to see his church built. That's as easy as it is. It's not about preaching. It's not about being on the platform. It's simply you saying, Lord Jesus, I'll live my life on purpose. I'll find out what your purpose is. And if we can bring the two together, let's believe something will happen. Jesus, on purpose, is building his church in the earth. And to quote Brian Houston, the greatest churches in the earth are still to be planted. They're still to be planted. And one American church planter said these words. The church has the largest participation, with the widest distribution, with the longest continuation, and with the fastest expansion. Today, thousands. Thousands of people have come to Jesus. Thousands and thousands of people have been saved and baptized. Did you know that AOG Global around the earth is planting a church every 43 minutes in the earth? McDonald's haven't got a chance. (laughs) Please don't keep looking to God with your UK lens on. And can we find some Christians in the UK that would discard it and start looking to what Jesus said in his word. Can we find some people in this church that will really believe what Jesus said that he wants to do? Yeah. And of course, all this comes out of being planted. You cannot flourish in the courts of God unless you're planted. If I can say it very carefully tonight, respectfully and courteously, if you're coming to church, you need to start getting planted in church. If you like this church, you need to be long to this church, committed to this church, part of this church, joining the journey of this church, because that's the only way that you're going to flourish. So 2050, I'll be 95. And statistically, I won't be here. I might be, but it's still about 81 for a bloke, isn't it, on average? That's a bit sobering. But 95, as John Phillips says, I'm going to get to 100 if it kills me. And um, and by the way, he's 96. 95. What if I'm not here? One thing I can say with conviction is, friends, the church will be. The church is going nowhere. The church is going to continue to grow. The church is going to continue to thrive. The church is going to continue to prosper. I believe in the Arena Church, Mansfield will still be here with another generation of leaders that have picked up the baton from those that have gone before to say we want the kingdom to come, not only in Ilkiston, not in Mansfield, but whatever God wants us to do. I tell you, I look at that big, massive land called Europe, mainland Europe, where there's 250,000 towns and villages without any gospel witness, and Jesus wants to do something. I wonder if we can get somebody from Arena Church to going to plant a church across the waters, Somebody's going to rise up and do something that's never been done before. And in 35 years' time, you'll be able to go to Windermere and find an oak tree. And because somebody planted it in faith, you'll be able to sit under the blessing of its shade and enjoy the goodness of God. Just a word on my heart to continue to fuel this journey that's four and a half years in. We've just started. We've cleared a lot of grounds. We've made some mistakes. We've had some progress. We've seen some people saved, baptized, and restored. But there is yet much to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus Christ says, I'm looking for a people that will continue to believe that I'm still in the building program. And if you'll find some people that will cooperate with him, then Jesus can do amazing things. As I close, it may be that you've never become a believer. So You're getting pumped about this church thing, Phil. I am i believe it's god's agency in the earth friends for change i believe it lies in the very eternal purpose of God. read ephesians 3 if you don't believe me i believe that god wants it to be a place that's winsome and holy and beautiful and loving i believe that god wants to raise up communities that literally turn their world upside down that it won't be pushed back from the church but people can't wait to get to it We we compare the church, friends, that breaks the caricature of people saying they're hypocrites. They don't believe what they say. They don't carry it through. There'll be something different. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, in a moment, Christian's going to give you the opportunity to respond. And you can go on this amazing adventure, not only of having a personal relationship with God in Jesus Christ, but being part of his bride, the church of Jesus. And who knows what difference God can do through you if you'll give all of you to him for his purpose in these days. Amen.